0: Welcome to Auto Off Topic. How you doing, Brad? What's going on, Andrew? Oh, just uh, enjoying a. Uh, I did a little like dry January into mostly dry February. Okay. But then we got we got some takeout ramen, and I was like, oh, I want like a, you know, like a Polynesian type cocktail kind of thing, and uh, I got those. I think I talked about them before those cutwaters sort of like San Diego and they have like mixed cocktails and cans.
1: Yeah, that's a new thing I've seen that a few places advertise now.
0: They have a Mai Tai that's like really good.
1: Like Excellent.
0: for like 4 you get 4 cans for $13. Which considering if you went to a bar,
1: and they're $13 each.
0: Yeah. And, and these are like super strong.
1: But um, boy idea
0: to- I would like to go to a bar for a nice cocktail though. Yeah.
1: Well, the problem is the place we'd go for the best Mai Tais probably would be someplace like uh, the Kowloon on Route 1, which is closing. Did you hear that?
0: It's sort of closing. Like, not right away, though, I don't think. It sounds like the next generation and their family just doesn't want to run
1: the restaurant. so. So it might be for sale as is.
0: Yeah, I think it's... I think it's going to be around for a while until they're ready to be
1: done running it. Oh, okay. Well, it sounded like it was going to be gone like, you know, this year sometime, but no, I was very disappointed because, you know, it's, listen, it's not the best food in the world and probably not the best cocktails in the world, but that whole place is an experience. It's like a very 60s style tiki bar kind of set up in there. A lot of places.
0: Yeah, it's cool. There's like a ship inside that you can eat in.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's very, it's a very neat place. It, It
0: was a typical like after prom type place to go. Oh, one hundred percent. But yeah, it's, anyway, it's, it's, it's an neat place. Speaking of, uh, actually, this reminds me. Speaking of, like twenty years ago, <laughs> um, unfortunately, we lost Dale Earnhardt twenty years ago. Yeah, it was the twenty years
1: ago. Yeah, this, this coming week.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, I think it was like maybe the eighteenth of
1: February was
0: when they ran the race. Okay. And and this weekend it's on Valentine's Day.
1: That's that's a, but, a race I'll never forget for sure.
0: No, I remember watching it. That was pretty, that was crazy. Um, and then I remember, do you remember? So it was two, February 2001. He passed away. Then obviously September 2001. They postponed the NASCAR season for like a few weeks. I don't remember how I got tickets for some reason, I think because it was postponed, but I ended up with tickets to NHMS and they ran the NASCAR race on the Friday after Thanksgiving. Do you remember this? Because we went.
1: Yeah, that's how you wound up with tickets because people couldn't go because they had, you know, there were so many tickets available because people had planned for, you know, family events for Thanksgiving weekend. So,
0: yeah, because I think normally that race would have been the weekend. It was the weekend following September 11th. So they had postponed it?
1: It was usually sometime around Labor Day. I remember that.
0: Well, no. It would have been after September 11th. Because that's the reason why it was canceled.
1: Yeah. Sometime around. Is that Labor Day or is Labor Day May? Which one's which?
0: Labor Day is the end of August. Beginning of September.
1: Yeah. So sometime so around Labor Day. Beginning of September. Second week is September.
0: <laughs> no. The race <laughs> was after.
1: Labor after Labor Day.
0: Okay. Anyway. September eleventh is not Labor Day.
1: No, but it's after Labor Day, not very far yes. after. I'm not and saying race, it was on Labor Day, I'm saying it was sometime around Labor Day. I feel that
0: it can't be sometime around Labor Day because it wouldn't have been canceled.
1: The two weeks after Labor Day are around Labor Day.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: That's where my brain is right now. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. Do you I, but do you remember I, we went and then it was like on the third lap everybody would put up three fingers. I
1: do remember, do remember that. that. I do remember Yeah. That, yes. Yeah, it, was, it was, it was a big deal for the commentators and everything too. Uh, if I remember correctly, because it was, yeah. was it the first every race? race. After?
0: No, no. Uh, it might've been the first race back after,
1: oh, uh, after the September 11th, yeah. but
0: after, after he died every race that season, during the third lap, everybody everybody that was there spectating, would stand up and hold up three fingers.
1: Right. Rest in peace, Dale. Sometime early yeah, day.
0: Yeah. It was just wild. I was just thinking, I was like, holy crap, it's been 20 years.
1: Yeah, it has been 20 years. And it's funny, we, we were talking about it the other day because you have a newfound appreciation for that whole um, Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon era of NASCAR. It was okay. a really good era. We didn't realize when we were in it that it was like the last uh, up until whatever in the future might happen, but the last like real true racing era of NASCAR before it kind of became a little diluted and they started changing rules a lot.
0: It was it was weird for a while there, and I think they're finally getting back to a good formula because they did the Bush Clash this week, which is weird. because It was a Tuesday night on the road course at Daytona. They did. No qualifying, no practice, just show up, run it, load down force cars. Um, it was 35 laps with a engineered caution at lap 15. And you could only refuel, I think, at that caution or after it. You could not refuel before. You could stop for tires if there was a caution or if you chose to come in for tires, but you couldn't refuel until that 15 lap mark. Um, it was really cool. Like, it was funny because some people, um, on like, I've been looking at like Twitter stuff for like NASCAR and people like plate racing's way more exciting than this. And I'm like,
1: uh, is it though? No, this was, that was a great race. I didn't catch the whole thing. You just shot me a message to talk, to watch it when there was like five or six laps left. Um, yeah. and I, dropped everything i was doing and turned it on because i love seeing nascars on road courses especially daytona uh, and it did not disappoint it was a hell of a finish for the last 5 laps
0: and then they the cool thing so it's kind of weird that, i feel like the extra chicane added a bit of weird technical difficulty i think it maybe was they the, could
1: have the no practice here try this out hey guess what we also changed the layout of the track
0: <laughs> yeah i mean maybe they could have done without that but um the fact that they were hitting the bus stop in the back, like, in the dirt, and, like, yeah. the track was... They had to caution because, at one point, because the track was so dirty, they had to blow the dirt off the track. Yeah. And, I, like, all the cars running the rear of the pack were just covered in dirt.
1: I was wondering if the chicane was a mechanical chicane, like, because the cars are geared so low for the road course that they would rev out in, you know, top gear if they had too much of a straightaway, and they'd be, blow, be blowing motors. Oh,
0: maybe. I mean... Yeah.
1: That was my th- theory behind it, because it didn't seem like it was a safety issue. I think it was probably... Oh, game, Dave, I didn't even think that.
0: Yeah, because it was right before the trioval. They had the chicane that came down. Then they straight shot over, start, finish. And then so many guys would just overshoot that first corner like we are playing fours. I just... Pff,
1: just yeah, I, be- I believe we call that Andrewing it. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, But they'd go through like three wide through that first corner. It was crazy.
1: Yeah, no, it was pretty insane. uh, There was no wrong racing line when they were racing.
0: No, and um, that's the other... See, I like to see NASCAR on road courses because they're big cars, closed wheel. They've got sheet metal bodies for the most part so they can beat and bang a little bit without the things coming apart. And I don't know, it makes for good racing. And just there's something about... Uh, the sound of a NASCAR V8 is like very nostalgic for me.
1: Yeah, no, it's awesome. There's there's no better sounding race cars. Like there are better sounding race cars, but there's no more like visceral, like in your face sounding race cars than than, than straight pipe NASCARs.
0: Yeah, and when they do hit like the curbing, like they just jump,
1: yeah, like they, they launch. Oh my god, It
0: was awesome. And I guess uh, the weekend after Daytona, they're going back to the road course to run again.
1: Yeah, I'll be watching that whole race that time. Now that yeah. I know it exists, and I'm definitely planning on watching Daytona this weekend too. Because yeah, I'll watch it. I'm trying to get you know, I, tr- I try to get more and more back into it every year. You know, you talk about there was a weird error in NASCAR. Like up through the early 2000s, like my entire childhood, all through the 80s, 90s, early Just to 2000s, go to Daytona and, a lot. Uh, my right? dad went. My dad went every year. I've been a few times. Um I, but I was a like a, a rabid NASCAR fan. I loved watching NASCAR. It was so fun to watch. And then sometime in the early, you know, mid 2000s, it almost became like embarrassing to be a NASCAR fan because the sport was so kind of boring. <laughs> it, it really was boring. Um, and they're they're starting to bring back some of the excitement to NASCAR. And I'm starting to get more and more into it every year. And
0: I know they're going to do. I feel like they said Bristol is dirt. One of those short tracks. They're running all dirt.
1: So I've heard. Year. Plus and negatives to that, positives and negatives. Um, I don't want to give much of the negatives much thought until it actually happens. But the big thing I've heard is the cars are so heavy, they're just going to sweep the dirt off the track in the first 10 laps. It's going to be pavement like normal. But I applaud their efforts, and I hope it works out, and I'll definitely watch that race. Because, again, bringing some of the excitement back to NASCAR. So I'm totally totally in for it.
0: I mean, you were telling me you were watching... Uh, Documentaries on like they used to run so many road courses, NASCAR cars, like all the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Before there were safety rules, you know, a lot of the problems with road courses is they don't they're not set up for NASCAR race in the modern times. You know, they they really weren't set up for NASCAR races then either, but they ran them anyway. Uh, The one particular one I was watching was about the Mototrend 500, which was run at Riverside, California. Yeah, and it was a an amazing documentary. It's on Mototrend on demand, I think. It might even be on the Motortran channel on cable. I'm not sure, but if you catch it, it's like a three or four part series. Each one's like, you know, 45 minutes or so, hundred uh, percent worth watching. It's the, the footage, the stuff from the era, the stories from the era, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing to see and to see where they were then to where they are now. We're kind of getting back to that kind of rough road course racing they had back then. It's, I, I'm excited for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty cool. Um, So, speaking of dirt, um, I've got another Dirt Rally uh, Championship. It's going to go live on, well, this podcast will be out Friday, February 12th. It's going to go live Friday, February 12th at noontime. Uh, The first event will be Sweden with up to 2,000cc cars, all-wheel drive. Okay. And it's going to go for three days. I got some requests for people that said, hey, if you're starting it on a Friday, can you make it three days instead of two days. So I have more time to do it. I said, sure. Yeah,
1: it's tough for people to get away from the family on the weekend to do something like that. So I get it.
0: Yeah. I can make that happen. And then after those three days, every other event will just be a two day
1: um, uh, thing. Excellent. I think moving forward, if you do one three day to start, you should keep them all three day just so people realize it's happening. But we'll see what happens this time before we make that final call.
0: There's a couple super fast people, but it's mostly just us casual players.
1: Yeah. We're all fighting for fourth place. So, yeah, if you come in fresh, you're fighting for fourth place.
0: I mean, I've had a couple strong runs, but I'm I'm getting there. I'm climbing that learning curve.
1: The consistency is the issue. I've had a few, um, you know, segments in a stage where I can green light the segment. You know, I'm, I'm the fastest one to have run that segment out of everybody, but I'm not consistent enough to not crash immediately after. In fact, last time I did it, I was so shocked. That I drove off the road right afterwards. I was like, "Oh man, yeah. I did green. Oh crap, I crashed." So
0: yeah, yeah. The um the time trials are your friend when you're trying to practice because you can just reset over and over and over again on a single stage and get a hang for the car and and if you want, do a little settings. I find there's like a couple little tweaks you can do, but it totally depends on driving style. So Maybe I don't want to say actually- what they are because they're going to be different for everyone.
1: Maybe I should actually practice this weekend a little bit then instead of just running the event. Because normally what happens is I say I'm going to practice and then I just go into it and I'm like, well, I'm going to run the event. <laughs> and here we are.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: So. We'll see. But, yeah, I'm excited for another event, so. Cool. Hopefully I won't crash every time.
0: Hey, I heard you, um, I heard you have a starian for sale.
1: Yeah, weird, right? Yeah. So. About midway through the day, um, my phone rings, and it's an out-of-state number I don't recognize. I don't know two two one or what the area code was two something. Um, turns out it's Mississippi. So I answer the phone, and there's this you know old timer like like the guy was probably if I had to guess based on the stories he eventually told and his sound he was probably late sixties early seventies, um, trying to buy my stereo and I couldn't get it out of him where he saw that the car was for sale. And the fact that he was talking about my 87 Starion ESIR. Yeah. Um, and I haven't had an 87 Starion ESIR in quite some time. Um,
0: I, I feel like this was like, oh, 304. I helped you pick this car up.
1: Now, it's probably after that because my for sale ad that I eventually found. So I'm trying to get out of him where he got my info from. And first he said eBay. And then he's like, no, no, it was somewhere else. So I looked to see if there was a car on eBay and there wasn't. Um, so eventually I just searched Starion for sale and then my phone number. And it popped up a for sale ad that I had written. And I. Put it in a few different websites, and one of them was on, you know, the VW Vortex because they had like an all cars for sale section. Yep. so there was an ad on VW Vortex that I posted in January of two thousand and
0: seven. Whoa! So for- one of the few uh, forms that still exists, too.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it was a t- in January of two thousand and seven, I posted up an ad for a Palermo Gray, a nineteen eighty seven Starian ESIR with one hundred and ten thousand miles on it. A nice solid car, driving, running car, um, for fifteen hundred dollars. That tells uh, you the, the market of the day. Um, yep. And and next to it was my red eighty seven Conquest TSI, uh, which had at the time I think you know seventy thousand miles on it for four thousand dollars. Yikes! Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm talking to this guy, um, and he was trying to find his old car. He had, short story long, long story short, he, I, he starts talking to me about this as I'm trying to like get a story out of him. He called me back later too, which is, you know, typical older guy trying to talk about cars. Uh, he first drove one when he was in the service in Germany in like 86, and sure. he fell in love with it. And the first thing he did when he came back is he ordered a brand new one. Um, and he had one. It was a red 87 ESIR. And he got a divorce and his wife took the car. And then his wife met some guy who, as he says, was with her only for the car because he was there for about three months. And next thing I know, the car was gone and he was gone. <laughs> so Yikes. Whether or not that's a true story, it's, it was it was hard not to, like, chuckle a little, but it is what it is. Um, so, anyway, so the car was gone, and he's trying to find it. And he ran a Carfax on the VIN, and he found out that it still exists. Uh, and it was one of the cars that sold on Bring a Trailer recently for, like, no like $20,500. No way. Yeah. So, now that's he's... wild. Right? So, now he's all amped up, and he's trying to find another 87 Starrion ESIR. Um, and he came across my ad from 2007. (laughs) Wow. This must be the
0: cheapest one in the (laughs) U S
1: now in my brain. I'm like, how did this ad even come up? It must've been so buried in the Google searches, but I, so I find the ad myself and I look at it and somebody last month whose profile picture is of a much younger person bumped my ad and said, is this car still available?
0: Hey, it was, what, did somebody else post zombie thread like
1: No, there was no there was no comment, no nobody even posted about it in 2007 when I put it up for sale. There were zero comments and now there's one comment below it dated last month. And that brought the thing back to the front, so when he Google searched 87 starring at ESIR for sale, it came up as a recent ad on the VW Vortex.
0: Anybody still here in 2021?
1: Right? <laughs> So I get a phone call from this random old man from Mississippi trying to buy my car that I sold literally 14 years ago. So, unfortunately, I do know the fate of that that tan, the Palermo Gray, I should call it, car. Um, It was bought by a, at the time, 16-year-old. He never finished putting it. He took it apart to do something to it. Never finished putting it back together. Uh, last I saw the picture, it was just a full shell on the back of a car carrier going to the scrapyard. So that's, that's what happened to that car. And the other 87 in the picture, I know for a fact, went to Puerto Rico. And last I heard it was still alive and well down there, but. Oh yeah. yeah, So Puerto Rico. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy lost out in his car years ago, found out that it recently sold for $20,500 and, uh, is trying to get himself back at another one, but. So if anybody's got one for sale, I told him uh, if I find one for sale, I'll give him a call. He wants say to say
0: he's got to look at some of the auctions. There's,
1: yeah, I don't think he wants to spend twenty thousand five hundred dollars on one, but he. Uh, I uh...
0: mean, yeah, you can get ones <laughs> probably. I mean, what are, nice ones are probably driver. You, you can, a buy, good you can driver. buy
1: a really really nice, you know, hundred to hundred and thirty thousand mile car in the ten twelve grand range. Yeah. So I, uh, I I told cool. him I'll to keep my eyes open for a uh, for a car, and I was like. I was like, "Yeah, man. I, I don't know where you found this at. I haven't had an '87 Starion for I can't even remember when I had an '87 Starion. I had an '87 Conquest like five years ago, but I don't, I don't think this is it." So, anyway, that's that's <laughs> wow. that's the story. Yeah, what a what a weird afternoon, and it kind of took me down this whole thing of like memory lane, looking at all of the Starions and Conquests I've owned over the years, but most of them have been '87s.
0: I can't believe though that his car ended up. Being one of the ones that survived, and was nice enough to sell for that much money on Bring a Trailer,
1: yeah, just the odds, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, is this story true? Who knows? This is the story or the guy was told the me old, on the
0: phone. Uh, was the old ex boyfriend guy?
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe he sold it. Maybe you should go after him. <laughs> Who knows? But it was his car. It only had like seventy thousand miles on it, or something. It was a low miler, but. Yeah, he was very disappointed when I told him the car was sold. And then when he got to the bottom of the fact that I sold it in 2007, he understood a little more. So <laughs> it was just like, what the hell's going on right now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool.
1: However, one thing that going down that memory lane uh, kind of brought up in my own brain is how come in 2007 I had multiple nice Starions, and now as a f- you know, damn near 40-year-old adult, Who's supposed to have things in the prime of his life. All I have is a rusted out crap can in the backyard. <laughs> I don't but, know. Where did I go wrong? I I sold I've had four very solid Starion conquests, three of which ran and drove perfectly, two of which were sub a hundred thousand miles. And of the entire of all of all four of those, I don't think I made I don't think I sold it for ten thousand dollars total together. For all four. No. So I've done, I've done something wrong. I need to get back on track. So help me, Andrew, help me.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think you're beyond help sometimes.
1: Oh, 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 man. Um, that drink really is
0: strong, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, we got some questions, right?
1: We do. We got a good amount of questions. Let's go to the old Facebook first. Sure. We haven't done questions in quite some time, so I thought it was a. A prudent, first of 2021 yeah a prudent idea to do some so we can get you know some interaction with uh with listeners the we haven't had in some time so um, and I am working on a guest for very soon which have we had a guest yet in 2021 yes well uh kind of we, you guys haven't of. heard the episode 200 yet so you'll get some guests
0: <laughs> no uh we had Bradley on. Oh, we
1: did. Yeah. his episode
0: dropped. It was the first of 2021.
1: Okay. Yeah. We recorded in 2020 though. All right. So the first recorded episode of the guest should be coming up probably after this one. If plans go the way they're supposed to go. Anyway, moving on. Facebook questions. Uh, Facebook first. All right. Yeah. Questions. Facebook first. Andy McDonough, who also we should have on because he's got some good stories about LS cars, uh, asks pneumatic versus electric shop tools. Ooh. I mean, is there, um, any, is there any competition?
0: Well, you used to be able to only get pneumatic. Um, but now there's a whole range
1: of electric stuff. Yeah, And Battery technology is so good now. It doesn't even matter.
0: I am so in on electric stuff. Yeah. Um, like I was doing some stuff at work today. It's the same size bolt multiple times that holds this bracket in and just using the a eighths electric Milwaukee is just so much better than trying to ratchet by hand.
1: Yeah. 10 bolts. <laughs> there's no tool in my toolbox that gets used more than the three eights electric Milwaukee, the 90 degree. Um, yeah. yeah. I guess
0: it's a quarter inch drive version. I kind of want to pick that up. That'd be handy. Uh,
1: yeah. I will have to look at that myself because that would also be good. Yeah. Smaller things. And I like it too because it doesn't, it doesn't take a ton of torque. So if you're putting something on, it doesn't, you still have to hand tighten it when you're done. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's just the right amount of torque. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. Like it doesn't over tighten things and it doesn't break things loose, but no, it's like 10
0: pounds. It's like, it just like stops.
1: Yeah. It's, it's real good for that, you know, tennis elbow you get when you're doing, you know, 15 bolts in the bottom of a transmission pan kind of deal.
0: Yeah. I never Um, used to, I, I think we know a couple other people that were like this, uh, Another listener, Noah, I remember him posting on this Facebook like he never used to use tools like this either. But it's like once you start using them, you're like, oh, my God, why why didn't I use these?
1: Well, we didn't use okay. them because pneumatic ones all had hoses and a super loud compressor running all the time. And it was just. Yeah. Annoyance. And,
0: and they can be like really aggressive and like break stuff. And, yeah, it was just kind of annoying. And like, yeah, it's like, I don't know, game changing. I, I'm I'm into the electric stuff.
1: Yeah, 100%. I have a full especially Especially uh,
0: impacts for removing tires, like not even to drag a hose around. Yeah. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yep, and for old, rusty, oversized hardware, too. Like, the, the tank was held on on the Sarian with, like, 17-millimeter uh, bolts, which are big enough that you can use an impact like that on them without breaking them. Um, yeah. And it, it it made the job, like nothing I, I broke them free by hand first and then just ripped them down with that impact because it just ripped them right off so definitely worthwhile yeah so yeah all in on electric i never really had much experience with pneumatic um i i do still like a pneumatic tool for something that's used constant like a da or a buffer um, yeah pneumatic works better for that kind of stuff but cutting wheel cutting wheels yep was. I mean,
0: if you're out somewhere, yeah, battery one's useful, but they kind of eat through batteries pretty fast, so.
1: Yeah, and the bigger batteries are pretty heavy, so. All right. Getting there, though, getting there. Next question is from Scott Carlson, and we're going to wind up uh, embarrassing ourselves answering this question. What? He asks who the best guitarist ever is oh man I'm I don't not like I don't I don't, I don't I'm gonna give an answer I think guys gonna be like you nerds you don't know you don't know guitarists <laughs> I mean I, I don't know who the best ever is I know I have some preferences for styles I like and stuff like that but I, I couldn't tell you who the best technical guitarist ever is
0: uh, yeah I yeah I <laughs> I feel like I need a lot of flack for it so I'm not sure if I want to answer yeah, well, you know, you have you
1: know your 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 guitar virtuoso virtuosos like you know Joe Satriani and Steve Vai and Eric Johnson and Eric Clapton and there's so many Steve Ray Vaughn. Steve Ray Vaughn. you know, Susan uh,
0: Susan Didache, is it?
1: I don't even know. Yeah. Anyway, we don't know enough guitar? about that question. Uh, I know a lot of music, but I don't know a lot of technical facts on music. I have filled yeah. all my technical music fact area with Carfax, so you want to answer guitar questions, I I really like
0: Matt Bellamy from Muse.
1: Yep, that's your thing. I like the way he
0: he plays guitar, yeah.
1: So anyway, um, yeah, we we appreciate all questions, and please ask us unrelated questions, but that particular one is so, like, it's such a question that people are going to judge us on, and we don't have a good answer for it, so those are our answers.
0: I can think of like three or four people are going to just message us after this.
1: Oh, immediately. Yeah, it's not not even going to be good. I'm not going to get any work done on Friday because the people that are going to be messaging me and yelling at me for my guitar answers. So anyway, moving on to the next question. Thank you for the humbling question, Scott. Um, Actually, this is Naomi's sister asked a question. This is Autumn Billingsley. Did you ever buy a car you thought you could restore only to find out it was way past saving? (laughs) I'm going to let you answer first, Andy. Well... Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't think I've done it. I think your Montero, you regretted because I think you put more work into it than you wanted to. The first one, the eighty nine. Oh,
0: okay. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, I wouldn't. I didn't consider that a restoration, but but
1: yeah. I mean, that's a restoration. Yeah. You, you took. It, yeah, that it is. It is trashed in the woods, and he and he made it presentable and usable every day.
0: It is that that see like my my brain and restoration is like down to frame, like rotisserie. That's, but yeah, that no, you're right. It does count as restoration. That's just not where my brain goes. Yeah. There's,
1: there's restoration versus sympathetic restoration.
0: Yeah. That car, that truck was not worth any of the time I put into it, but, uh, it was fun.
1: Yeah. It was a learning experience more than a value experience, which is what all of my cars are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, have, have I ever bought a car and then realized it was too far gone? Uh, have I ever bought a car and it wasn't too far gone?
0: Yeah. Which one?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, they're all too far gone. So I need to adjust my expectations of what I can, what I can complete. Um, I need to look at the car and say, I could make it eventually run. but about where it's going to probably stop. So I've never really had a complete restoration. Like we talk about a traditional down to nut and bolt restoration. Um, I've always done kind of what we just talked about, the sympathetic restoration or the taking a car that's kind of been, you know, mistreated and and abused and, and made it back to a reasonable facsimile of a nice car again. You know, my blue Colt is a perfect example of that. Um, the red Eclipse is a perfect example of that. Um, mm-hmm. I've had a few of those, <laughs> um, but I've also had my Toyota truck which I picked up and was like, I'm going to restore this whole truck. And now I'm like, I don't know how this is going to finish, but <laughs> we're going to get somewhere with it. And I have my Starion that I've had for 15 years now, 15, 16, 2009, no. 12, 12 years. 12 yeah. Years, 12 years. So I have 12 years and it's not done. In fact, it, it's it's in not even arguably, it is definitely in worse condition now than it is when I bought it. And the plan when I bought it was to fix it. So um, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's definitely,
0: it's, it's definitely the drivetrain's getting reshelled.
1: Yeah, we're gonna reshell the whole car. So that's, I think, gonna be my first successful full restoration. Um, I I'm pretty motivated on this car, um, and I have the good shell, and it's not gonna require any bodywork at all. Which is going to help everything else is literally just bolting in parts, so we're going to do that soon. I was actually just talking with the guy who has the shell earlier today, um, and I'll be getting that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I need to shop around because the first thing we're going to do is uh, get the car stripped down and painted white, so that it'll be perfect and ready to go when I switch everything over.
0: Oh, so, oh! Yeah. You're gonna what color is it now?
1: It's like a beige silver color.
0: All right, you're going for a full color change.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not a bad color. It's just I've always had this dream in my head to have the white Starion finished. Okay. So I and I'm taking the full well, beautiful tan interior out of the white Starion, and I want to put it in another white Starion.
0: Well, uh, if you you know if you plan to keep this car for a while, if this is going to be your car. Yeah. You should paint it the color that you want
1: it. Yep, this is gonna be. This is not a, any kind of profit or anything like that because it's a flat body and They're not worth a ton. Um, this is this is a car for me. This is the car that I've been building in my brain um, for a very long time, and I've been collecting things and parts and and trinkets and stuff for it over the years. Uh, so it's going to be, it's going to be very nice, <laughs> and that's yeah. that's the plan. So I'm even probably gonna have the seats redone if I use the stock front seats. So. Yeah, that's that's going to be my first like full restoration and and it's going to be it's going to be done. There's no question. It it needs to be done. It needs to be done. It needs to be nice. It needs to be ready. So but yeah. But yes, I've definitely bitten off more than I can chew is the is the answer to that question. Um, The good news is, is that all of those cars that I bit off more than I can chew, I do currently still own so I can always make up for it. Mm hmm. I haven't ever sold an unfinished project, I don't think, have I? I can't think of any. Raider. Yeah, but I didn't have, I never had plans of restoring the whole truck. That truck's a perfect example of one that I bought in a junkyard, and we brought it back to usable condition. And in the end, there were issues with the rings and smoking, but I drove a thing daily for two years Yeah. After, after pulling it out of the junkyard. So I, I, I consider that truck a success. All right. (laughs) All right. That's enough time on that question. Uh, Next question, speaking of Noah from Noah Zerman. Cars people think are going to appreciate but will not. Ooh, uh, that's a
0: loaded question.
1: I don't think so. I think it's easy.
0: Uh, There's an ask for every seat. I mean.
1: But there's not an ask for every seat at that price. You're going to have people that are going to buy brand new Corvettes and park them. Oh, it's a 2020 first year C8 with the options that only 12 of them have and it's going to be worth $8 million when I retire and I'm going to retire on it. And in reality, yeah. they're going to want to trading it in for a brand new electric car.
0: There's already C5s. There's already C5s, C6s and C7s like this out there. Mm-hmm. They the guys bought them. They've got no mileage. They're sitting on them.
1: And just to so- lose money. Yeah, that's all they're going to do. And they continue to do it, too. It's like every generation of Corvette buyer does the same thing. You know, there are no mile 1978 pace cars out there. And people are like, it's a 78 pace car. It's going to be worth a mint. And the, it's the most perfect 78 pace cars worth like 25 grand. Like, it's, it's yeah not worth a mint. And you paid 18 like, grand for it in the 70s. That's
0: probably the, yeah, I guess like that. There's like special edition Mustangs.
1: Yeah, Mustangs, Camaros, Challengers. Um, There will be a few that will be worth a couple of dollars, um, but the majority of the ones that were bought and put away will not be. That's just, that's all there is to it. Um, The sleeper cars are the ones that are going to be worth more money. The stuff that wasn't saved, and we're seeing it now. There was an EG hatch just sold last week on one of the auction sites. You know, a low-mile 95 EG hatch for like twenty five grand.
0: Yeah, see, it's... It's the cars that are retro versions of the cars that people wish they had saved, because now they're worth money. As far as muscle cars, right? Go. And the
1: and the new versions not going to be worth money.
0: No, it's- I mean they'll be worth something, but they will not They won't be worth as much as they think they will be.
1: It's like buying a collectible, like a collector's edition of something. Like you bought these coins. You know, these people sell these coins on late night TV. <laughs> You buy these coins that are minted, like here's the space shuttle challenger coin. Like it's it's never gonna be worth anything because the reason coins are worth money is because they're rare. You sell a coin specifically to collectors, everybody that collects it's just gonna put it on a shelf and look at it, and there's gonna be just as many of them left when there's less interest in them later, and they're gonna be worth less yeah. money. Cars are the same This is money. why
0: this is why people do these limited drop things for merchandise, because <laughs> there's only so many.
1: Yeah, that's that's the twenty twenty-one version of of you know limited edition it's limited drop it's hype it's trying to make it worth as much as possible on the immediate market you know you think a supreme t-shirt's gonna be worth anything in 2055 i don't know i I personally don't think so but what do i know i don't know anything i'm not i'm not the tastemaker what else we got uh rich eichenberg solid axle swaps leaf versus coil spring is there any shame getting it done faster on leafs than eventually going high dollar coil link setups, asking for a friend, LOL. No, I hate this conversation. I hate this question. I hate everything about it. Everybody says IFS, IFS, IFS is bad. You all need, you know, solid axle swaps. Listen, unless you're out rock crawling, you don't need a solid axle swap. Unless you're out rock crawling, unless you're out desert dune jumping, you don't need to worry about your leaf springs versus coil springs. Like just, Take what you have and use it and enjoy it. And if you get to a point where you can't do what you want to do with it, then change it. Yeah, you don't have don't to change really it. To it. Yeah, you don't have to change it just to change it. You don't have to change it because Instagram tells you you can't go wheeling in your independent at front suspension Montero. Just go out, enjoy it. If you find you get to a point where you cannot use it anymore and you need to upgrade because all your friends are rock crawling and everybody you hang out with is you know king of the hammers,
0: also. Go ahead. If you just want to build it to build it because you enjoy it, do
1: that as well. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying if you think you need it, you don't need it. You don't need it until you've used every bit of what you have. This and, is true. And that's the same. And as what I'm
0: saying is that if it brings you joy and that's what you want to spend your time on, also do it. This is not spark joy, Andrew. I will not do it. <laughs>
1: uh, but For yes, no, I, I agree. If, if you want to build a solid axle swap rig because that's what you want to do. Then yeah, go ahead. Listen, I'm drivetrain swapping the starion because I want to. Nobody would tell me to do it. It's a bad idea, but I'm going to do it because I want to. So yeah. Advice is advice, but follow your brain at the end of the day. Follow your, don't even follow your brain. Follow your heart. Because <laughs> my brain's yep. telling me not to do it too. So yeah, do do whatever brings you joy. You only live once. I have no I have nothing to add to that. It's I, I just I just get tired of everybody saying oh, that's a terrible off-road truck. It's got, you no know, independent front suspension. Well, it's, it's really not. We're not trying to climb to the top of Mount Everest in our trucks. We're just out trundling along in the woods, and we'll be just fine.
0: Meanwhile, the new TRX and Raptor have IFS front.
1: Because they're and, meant uh, for, like, dune jumping in the desert, <laughs> which you would want IFS front for. So, anyway. Santiago Daniel Iglesias. Should I buy, excuse me, should I build a hybrid rear-wheel drive rally car? Why not?
0: Yeah, I think you should. Yeah,
1: why not? Are you talking a hybrid rear-wheel drive with both the gas engine and the hybrid motor powering the rear wheels? Or can we do a hybrid rear-wheel drive, gas motor powers the rear wheels, electric motors power the front?
0: No, I think he wants to keep it rear-wheel drive because he has a BRZ, which is cool because he rallies a new BRZ.
1: Sure. You know what he needs? He needs one of those uh uh drive shaft uh electric motors on there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, why yeah. Hey, advance the technology, why not do it? I mean it's gonna blow you out of your budget for whatever it is. It's gonna put you in open class, but go ahead and do it. It sounds like a good idea. Also, it sounds like a terrible idea, don't do it.
0: I mean, try it out. It's a good way to test these things.
1: Yeah, I mean it's again it's it's the same same as the independent front suspension versus solid axle swap. Do what you want to do. Uh there's a little more at stake when you're talking in a rally car cuz like I said that would put you in an open class and your budget does not equal that of, you know, factory backed open class cars. But it might not. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I don't know what the rules are.
1: For I'm pretty power sure adders like well, that. Power adders are they do put you in like an open class, I thought, and I assume that a hybrid would be the same as a power added to your engine. Maybe. I mean an it's an interesting thing to look up. even if it even if it isn't defined that way right now, if you build it, they will change it. It's possible, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the way, you know, kind of the way that works. It's legal until you do it, and that's not because you did it. You know, look at you know, NASCAR in the sixties. Yeah. All right. Steve Putin. Does DeSantis Motors East Coast location have any inventory for sale? Uh, It might. I mean, yeah, hit me up offline and we can work a deal on something. There's a few things sitting there. You want a Gallant project or a Colt project or a running driving Saab? Then uh, go ahead and give me a call. Um, That is it for Facebook. Moving on to the Instagram. Bear with me. Dead air. Yep. Alright, first so, question. First question. Yeti Overland. I'm looking for a new car from my wife. Is race and anger sad that I'm more likely to visit TSISS S three fifty in my search? Hashtag rust life
0: Are you private messaging with Yeti Overland without me?
1: Uh no. You can't uh. prove you can't prove anything.
0: Demand to see your DMs.
1: Uh, no, this is the first I've actually heard of this. I'm not saying we have never PM before, but um, he's more than welcome to come down here and hang out. I've actually hung out with him in Colorado before, so... You did? If you haven't come down here, yeah. when
0: I don't remember this.
1: When I drove out here with the Volkswagen the first time, we came down through Colorado, and we met him and another friend of ours that lives in Colorado at a brewery.
0: Oh, weird. Yeah. I don't remember it because... I wasn't there.
1: Right? We lead separate lives. It's weird. (laughs) Mostly weird because we never used to.
0: Well, I think uh, he should look for a used all-track.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's a decent car.
0: It's a good family car. That'd be a good Colorado car. You can get them either manual, automatic, and uh, have a turbo engine for high altitudes. So it's not... Knowing, a Subaru.
1: Knowing him, he's probably looking for an old Toyota. That's why he's coming here. He probably wants another Land Cruiser or you know, uh, Tundra okay. or Tacoma or... That's that's All my right. guess, but he can hit me up on the DMs and let me know. I'll find something. All right. All right. Wasabi Cars Official. What's up, Daniel? What three tips do you have for Dirt Rally 2.0 noobs? Maybe not driving tips, which I would need, actually, but upgrades, unlocks, etc. Well... We spoke about that a little bit.
0: Well, for the leagues, there's no, uh, like, upgrades. I guess if you do, like... I've done the individual um, career mode. You, like, unlock stuff.
1: Yeah, you start in, like, a historic front-wheel drive car.
0: Yeah, you, like, unlock team members to, like, help you service the car quicker. But for just doing our um, dirt leagues, like I said earlier, time trials are your friend. Like, you can... Look up and see what uh, is upcoming in the the league. So say like this, like Sweden's coming up and it's um, the class will be 2000 up to 2000 CC four drive cars. And it's like the mid it's like late 90s, early 2000 WRC cars. There's like the pug in there. And like uh, a couple Subarus and the Focus WRC car,
1: and the Evo, I think. Uh,
0: no, the Evo is only in Group A. Oh, okay, strangely. Um, but yeah, so like you pick one of those cars, and do some time trials in Sweden to figure it out, and play with like. I personally find that the diffs on like the cool thing we I learned recently and this was from our other listener and former guest, Jared, he pointed out that they actually spent time making sure that the cars were accurate with how you can tune them. And I think we touched on this the last episode where if a car had mechanical diffs, you can only tune the mechanical diffs. And then some of the cars have viscous diffs and you can only tune the viscous diffs, which I find diff tuning for beginning made the most difference for me. Um,
1: I'd say the big thing that made the most difference for me, other than diff tuning, obviously, was uh, toe in uh, toe settings because with not enough toe in the car is not very stable, and that helped me a lot from the beginning.
0: Okay, so there's a couple different things going on. So, like, depending on what you're playing on, makes a big difference too. So, like, playing on a controller plays a lot different than playing with a wheel, okay? So, like, if I don't do any type of toe settings because I'm playing, I find the cars are fairly stable with a wheel and using a gas and a brake pedal. But I remember when I played with a controller, like I actually desensitized the brake trigger because, you know, you don't realize like pulling the brake trigger on a Xbox controller, it's not very, there's like not very much give between a little bit of brake and then full brake.
1: Yeah, I've tuned that out when I tune each car by turning the brake pressure down. So I have a little okay. I have a little bit more um braking area before I lock up and slide.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that that type of stuff is comes down to just feel. And that's why I say do the time trials. Cause you can just do the same stage over and over again and just get used to the car and you can make changes to it. And there's also a bunch of YouTube tutorials, too, on how to tune these cars.
1: But. Yeah, and it's also good. To, there's a couple of different um, guides on online to how to set up the controller settings as far as sensitivity and, you know, dead spots and all that. And I find some of those help a lot, too. So
0: Yeah, but mostly, yeah, see, I'd probably do that. And then I wouldn't mess with the settings too, too much. And then you could just get used to driving with either the controller, or the wheel, whatever you're using. And then once you get a better feel for the game, then you can start making setup changes on the cars.
1: And it's just like real cars, you know, seat time, seat time, seat time. The more you do it, the better you get. I mean, I I don't do it enough to be really good at it. And that's why I'm generally the backmarker. Like I said, I can can kill a segment, but not a whole stage. I can definitely kill a whole stage by rolling off into 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 the end, but...
0: It's definitely more of a sim than any other racing game I've played.
1: Yeah, so you, you need you just need to take it steady, take it slow at first, and and build up confidence and build up speed. Because I I know my biggest mistake starting playing the game was thinking it was Forza, and just going in mm-hmm. there and you know full throttle whenever the wheel wasn't turned, and sometimes when it was, and I was just bouncing off trees and fences and and embankments, and the car wouldn't make it to the end of the stage.
0: Um, when they say "Don't cut, don't cut." <laughs>
1: Yeah, don't cut, don't cut. And unfortunately, there are some places where the stage notes aren't correct. And it's not common, but there's a couple that you'll get used to where he'll say, you know, five right, stay in. And then you realize that that five right is actually a jump. And when you got off that five right, you're in the air and have no control. And your car goes yeah, hard that's left in Finland. To a, yeah, hard left to do a pile of logs. <laughs>
0: so. uh, oh, and then the other thing you do, like when you're first starting, you can adjust when he gives the note. I would adjust it to have him give the notes slower because you'll likely be driving slower, and it's less confusing because um, it puts the notes closer to when you're actually in that corner, and it helps you understand what the note means. But as you get quicker, you want to know further ahead of time what is coming up and if you understand what he's saying to you you can move the note you can adjust it so he gives you the note earlier and that you usually do that as you get faster
1: yeah there's there's like a bunch of again like you said youtube videos and tutorials of what actually is going on um and i'm not one to usually watch youtube videos on video games it's not my speed but i did watch a few on this one just to kind of understand how it is and understand what means what and you know what what does 654321 mean as far as you know 6 right 30 like what does that mean you know it, it means that you move the steering wheel just a little bit in 30 meters or 430 meters so once once you learn that kind of stuff you, you get a lot better at the game your confidence grows with listening uh, i find that if i'm home by myself playing the game i do a lot better than if anybody's around distra- and and walking around because and no, to, to no fault of theirs. They're just living in the house with me. But <laughs> I, I, sorry, Naomi, talking about you, obviously, because you live with me. Um, but I, I do a lot better when I'm like in a void, just by myself, looking at the TV, like Tunnel Vision. Because if I miss up those notes, then forget it. I'm the next three corners are trash. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Next question.
1: All right. Moving on. Parkinson seventy three what car have you owned that surprised you the most? Either better than expected or a car you never thought you'd own but end up liking I have wound up being a Mercedes fan and I never would have expected it myself before I think we both have the same answer on this the Mirage yeah it was just a little economy car that we bought for $200 and it wound up being with us for like 15 years and was one of the most fun cars we ever owned
0: Well, it ended up being the super rare 1.8 five-speed car.
1: Yeah, by random luck, we got, like, the Super (laughs) Lajara. Big block block Super Lajara Mirage. (laughs) Yeah, and it was was a great car. I mean, you got to remember that that particular Mirage platform is the same as the Lancer Evolution. So it had that DNA in it. It had the same geometry in the front suspension. You know, the rear was different because it was a beam, right? Was that a beam? It must have been.
0: Nope, independent.
1: Was it independent rear? All right. I'm trying to remember. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember. So it probably even had the basically,
0: same. Um, it's like a Civic. Looked just like a Civic in the back.
1: Yeah, so it basically had the same suspension geometry, essentially, as like an Evo. So it was a fun car. It was super tossable. The thing weighed like 1,900 pounds, you know, and it had 125 horsepower. Um, and I'm constantly on the lookout for another one. Because, you know, by the time we got that car, it was pretty well used and pretty rusty.
0: And then um, we used it some more.
1: And then we used it to death. Um, and I'd probably still have it if it didn't get T-boned, honestly. But at the same time, I used that insurance money to buy the Blue Colt, so I don't regret it.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: So it was uh, it was definitely the most surprising car I ever owned. And I, I highly recommend, if you can find, a Mirage S with the 1.8. I think all the S. Was not it? Uh, it was an S. I thought it was an LS. No, the LS was a little more... The LS had power windows and stuff. This was an S. It just had an S badge in the back. Or it used to. It had just the the faded section of where the S badge was. I'm pretty sure it was an S. The card had been hit and repainted so many times by the time we got it. I'm not sure what it was supposed to be, but I'm pretty sure S is the package we had because it was... No sun. It, the LS had like a sunroof and power windows and stuff. Where ours, the only mm-hmm. option was air conditioning. I think it was it.
0: It had air conditioning. Yeah. But that didn't
1: work. But I think that was the only option the car had. The air conditioning delete. Did it have ABS? I don't think it did. Nope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, it was a 1900 pound car with 125 horsepower and, you know, the chassis dynamics. Essentially of a of a small Evo coupe. It was it was a great car. Um and I consistently looked for another one. And it had that cool like single overhead cam 16 valve. Mm-hmm. Which was a neat, like it was just neat. It was a neat car. It 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 made the right noises and made the right moves and it was good in the snow, it was good in the rain, it was good in the dry. Honestly, it was it was a good car. And if I had one now, I'd probably treat it a little different. Um probably wouldn't beat the crap out of it. Like we beat the crap out of that one, but even beating the crap out of that car, you know what we do for maintenance on it other than brakes, a timing belt, and one head gasket,
0: um, front struts,
1: yeah. So so wear items essentially Playbar links, yeah. So so wear items, and we use that car for rally cross and time speed distance rallies and daily commuting and, and everything, and it just was it was a good car. I'll forever wax ecstatic about that car until I get another one. So. Mm-hmm. That's probably the one I was most, most uh surprised by. Um on the other end of the spectrum, most disappointed by. Uh, I don't know. I can find a good in everything. That's why I have the crap I have. I don't know. I can't think of anything that I've had that I actively hated. Have you had a car you actively hated?
0: Um I didn't like my Auto 240.
1: Yeah, cuz the automatic made it real slow. And it was a time when you didn't want, not want a real slow car. <laughs> mhm. All right, next question. Tyler.ct9. Going to be that guy. I've got an Evo 8 that I'm building with stupid power. So I bought a rad 91 Accord that's become my second project car. H22A block with a manual. My question What's a good five K budget daily that's reliable and relatively comfortable that I won't hate driving every day? Auto is fine, preferably a sedan. Hmm. Nineteen ninety five Mirage much. S. No, <laughs> yeah. it's not.
0: I mean, five K is a big budget for a daily.
1: No, five K is a big budget for. It's not a big budget. It's a. It's a, It's an, an easy to find almost anything in that budget. Budget because five K is like the. Fifteen year old used car price, No, ten to fifteen years old probably. So you could buy, you know, stick with your Hondas. You could buy a, a two thousand seven Honda Accord, you know. And if you wanted a manual, you can still find a manual in that generation. Um, but even the automatic of those cars isn't doesn't isn't as terrible as the automatic in a nineteen eighty eight Volvo two hundred and forty. So you wouldn't you wouldn't hate it.
0: I mean, I guess I would go with a five thousand dollar Accord. I would probably go go with something like that because it's such an economy car. You're not going to want to modify it.
1: Okay. You know, I was, I was thinking
0: $5,000 WRX, then you might want to modify it.
1: Yeah. And also it's not going to be the most reliable car in that price range. Uh, I was thinking uh, something with like a Mark five or Mark six golf or rabbit with, you know, full maintenance records, you know, that, that five cylinder non-turbo, Okay, okay.
0: Um, you right. won't really want to modify it. You, yeah, maybe you'll but, put lower springs on it. but it,
1: it could it could be entertaining as a daily with a stick. Um, yeah. Not, not be super boring. Still be a fun car to toss around a little bit. Not uh, a penalty box
0: interior either. Yeah,
1: and like I said, that generation Volkswagen has, still has a nice interior. It still has that dramatic you know, quality to the inside of the car. So I, I have a hard time not recommending a Volkswagen in that price range for that kind of a car. Um, just because that's always what I've bought. <laughs> When I've bought, like, a decent daily car, it's almost always been a Volkswagen um, or, or an Audi. You know, I've always had, other than Mitsubishis, if you look at my car history, the majority of them have been Volkswagens and Audis. So I I always usually recommend that. I mean, even something as far back as a early 2000s Mark IV with a 2-liter, you know, a fresh timing belt on a 2-liter, and that car is going to run forever. So and the parts availability is easy and the parts are cheap. Um, I, I I would do that for a daily car over a civic of the era, just because it's a, it's a nicer place to be. And I know we say this after talking about how great a 1995 Mitsubishi Mirage is, but the real truth of the matter is a 1995 Mitsubishi Mirage interior is a garbage can. So the, uh, much. The, the Volkswagen is a, is a very nice place to be and, you know, I was actually, I currently have like a 2001 Golf sitting in my driveway that belongs to, to Jordan. Um, and just opening the door and looking inside just takes me back to my old GTI. And, you know, other than where that this particular car has been cut up for a stereo competition, <laughs> um, it's everything else that's remaining factory is still nice and still looks good. And that's a car that's been in the Arizona sun its whole life. So I think they're good cars. That's where I would go. Um, and again, I would stick with a non-turbo. Buy either a five-cylinder or an earlier car with a two-liter. Just good service records and do the timing belt and just run the car forever. So. All right, last question. Rad for sale. Have you heard about this uh-huh. yet? I have heard about it. All right, so we're going to have a another auction site. Yeah, so let's get to the question before we do a couple minutes on auction sites, which we'll have a deeper dive, I think, hopefully next week or coming up soon. Rad for sale. Is Rad for Sale's question putting you to sleep over there? Sorry, Andrew.
0: Oh, sorry. It was that loud.
1: It was pretty loud. Yeah.
0: I covered my mouth and I backed up.
1: Yeah. Not far enough. That mic is probably pretty good. All Mm. right. Rad for sale. What upcoming Rad for Sale listing are you most excited about? The Minty 85 Colt GTS Turbo on Anki 92s or the Driver Spec 81 Subaru Brat with an upgraded EA 81 and all records since new? Mm. I want the Colt Turbo because A, I love dumb old Colts and B, I'm a masochist for bad old cars. Give me the Colt Turbo.
0: Yeah, and I don't like pickup truck cars so I gotta go with the Colt Turbo.
1: You don't have a soft spot for the Brat because it's smaller? I do not. Hmm. The Brat's probably my second favorite pickup truck car. Behind Volkswagen on brand for me. I love an old Rabbit pickup. But... You're weird. Pickup truck cars rule. Um most people agree with me, not you. So I can nope. safely say you're weird on that one. But whatever. You're wrong. That's all there is to it. But anyway, I I do want the Colt GTS Turbo. I know the car he's talking about. It's super cool. Um I would that would be that would be a neat replacement for the old brown Colt I used to daily. So I'm not buying either one of them unfortunately, but uh, I wouldn't I would take the cold
0: yeah so there's a bunch of new auction sites entering the space, which is interesting um, so ob- trailer obviously was the first uh, kind or the
1: first was like eBay that was the first big yes auction site where you could go online and buy a car while bidding for it right um, there have been some smaller ones. In between, usually they were attached to a larger auction house. Like, uh, Barrett Jackson did some online stuff, or, uh, you know, Gooding's and Sotheby and all those places did some online stuff. And then Bring a Trailer really took the ball and ran with it. <laughs> they went.
0: Yeah. You know. Um, but it, in the beginning, they weren't doing a lot of blue chip stuff.
1: Yeah. Bring a Trailer um, was for the people, it used to be. You know, it used to be you could log in to Bring a Trailer, and if you get two thousand bucks, you could probably find a car. In fact, I did that way back in the day. So, you, you, normal yeah, average. Yeah, now
0: it's a, Now it, I would say it's more of the high end, interesting retro cars. I wouldn't call it. It's not too many. I feel like it's not too many classics, or maybe I don't get to serve them. I do get the emails every day.
1: If you look at the like email, um, a bunch, there's a bunch of classics on there. It's not all modern-ish stuff. There's definitely... I, a-
0: I did notice the last couple of days some people posting results of like mid-60s muscle cars that you and I felt like they sold for way cheaper than what they would have sold for.
1: Yeah, I don't think bringing a trailer... Bringing a trailer is not the market for that car, I don't think. Those, those cars. I mean,
0: a, a 65 GTO in black with a four-speed minty looking car it was black on black like, four
1: speed and a triple carb car
0: oh it was a tri-power car
1: yeah i'm pretty sure it was it was like 35 grand
0: yeah that that is a steal
1: yeah and then yesterday or the day before there was a 70 or a 71 um, 401 javelin that was like super minty like fully restored exterior fully restored green interior white over green super cool car Um, and it was like 20 rand You know, these these cars are, they're woefully underpriced on bring a trailer. It's not the market for the car. It's a buyer's market if they have a no reserve, that's for sure. But it's definitely not the place I would sell. If if I was looking to sell my 68 Camaro, I would not be bringing it to bring a trailer. I would wait for the local Barrett Jackson auction or something.
0: Yes. Um, And then you have like cars and bids, which feels like it's anywhere from a nice Craigslist car. To like a super nice Craigslist car, I guess is the <laughs> best way for me to describe it. Like it's
1: There's been a few zero-mile, low-mile cars on there. That, yeah, but that the majority 90, of... That 95 Civic I was talking about earlier sold on yeah. there. So.
0: The majority of the stuff on there feels attainable. For sure. Um, and then there's... Now we've got Rad for sale. So uh, our friends over at Radwood, because they haven't been able to have any shows... So one of the ways they're expanding is is, is building on that brand and, and having a an auction site. And they're going to do stuff like cars and accessories. And uh, I think it's just, it it's cool because the focus is going to be very narrow on just 80s, 90s cars, which are very hot right now.
1: Yep. Partially thanks to um, that. Wood, partially thanks to the way time works.
0: Yep. So we'll see. That will be an interesting um, choice. I'll have to see whether I go with the G20 on like, somewhere like cars and bids or somewhere like rad for sale. So
1: yeah. Yeah. The guy you bought it from doesn't want it back. That's, that's the plan for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh yeah. If it doesn't sell privately before that, it's going to go to one of the auction sites. So
1: excellent. Um, now, I know Hemmings has an auction site now going as well. Um, mm-hmm. The difference with Hemmings auction site is it's not like a live auction. You set your reserve. If I'm thinking this correctly, you set the, what you want the car to sell for. And they post it on their site, and people bid it up to that point, and then you can keep it on there if it seems like it's going stronger, or you can take your reserve price and sell the car. I think it's how Hemings you just price. end it at any time. It doesn't. It's not like a set time for the auction. You like you buy the ad space still like you would have in Hemmings before, hmm. and the car just sits there till it gets to a price that you're happy with, oh, and then you sell. The interesting. Car. Yeah, so it's a little bit different of an auction setting. Uh, I have a friend who has a, a Taurus SHO for sale on there right now. Um, it's like a 20,000 mile first gen SHO. Okay. Uh, and it's been on there for a while. Cause you know, he wants a good amount of money for it because it's a low mile, all original first gen SHO. So, and, uh, it's been there for a bit cause it's just sitting there waiting for somebody who bid to the price that he wants it at. So
0: there's another one called the wall street motors that I, I'm a little bit foggier on. I don't quite understand what their angle is, Uh, Is it going to be super high-end, not high-end? I think they
1: want to be super high-end because they're called Wall Street Motors. Um, Yeah. And they're international. They have an England-based one and a U.S.-based one. Um, Yeah, that
0: should be pretty interesting. And they're going to have some sort of – this is interesting to me – they're going to have some sort of referral program for photographers or
1: something. So That's interesting. Um, Yeah. And then also all of the big auction houses, again, the Barrett-Jackson's, the – I can't think of the name of the other one I'm trying to think of. Barrett-Jackson's the big one. What's the one that's on TV all the time? Meekum, Meekum. Yeah. Barrett-Jackson and Meekum are doing a totally different format where they're sticking to their, you know, scheduled weekends. And they'll say, we're having the Scottsdale, Arizona auction, but it's not live. It's going to be online, but it's all cars that are in Arizona. And then we're going to have the, it's going to be over a weekend. And then they're hmm. all going to go through just the traditional auction process where they cross the block on camera and people bid on them live at that time is what it seems like. So it's an interesting space we're in right now. Um, right now it's making cars very expensive. It is. Um, but I think ultimately having all these different auction houses is going to drop prices on cars.
0: I think so too. I think you're right. And And we had that whole episode. We talked about like that. It's kind of hard to find deals at these auctions. You got to kind of be prepared to spend some money because this is this is probably the car that you want, Um, and it's there. It's presented to you on a platter, so to speak. Like it's you didn't have to do much of the work to find it. It's being served up to you,
1: and that's what this is for. This is for the person who wants the car, has the money doesn't have the time to dedicate the research or to buy the not perfect car. Uh, A perfect example of it is there's a Volvo that ended yesterday on Bring a Trailer. Um, It -hmm. was a 70, I'm going to get the year wrong, a 71, 72.
0: Was it a P1800? There's a ton of P1800s. Nope, it was a a 144, 142,
1: 142. So the 140 series two-door. Really? I missed it? Yeah, it was a, a darker color with emails. A darker color with a tan roof. Um anyway, it bit oh. it bid up to like twelve thousand dollars. Yeah. Um and then after the high bid was placed, one of the readers of the site was looking at the pictures of the car and noticed that the housing on the bell house the, the bell housing itself for the transmission was cracked. So oh. and obviously you can't have a cracked bell housing on a car because it's gonna eventually fatigue and fall apart, and <laughs> you can't have that. Um, so it became a thing where now, what do we do? Do we keep this car for sale at you know twelve grand? Are we able to drop the price down? Do we let the seller and the buyer work it out? Like where was it at? I don't know where it ended. Um, hmm. I know as of last night, the the bid still showed twelve grand, uh, and the seller had added pictures of a brand, you know, a, a brand new used bell housing that he had found that was in the trunk. He had said, you know, he honestly didn't notice it. He didn't work on the car. He sent it up for service. He had a copy of the service bill. He wasn't trying to misrepresent anything. He just didn't notice it. And then, you know, his yeah. mechanic that went through the car didn't bring it up to him. So, you know, if this guy's not a mechanic, he thought everything was fine. Um, so, and actually reading some of the comments, it could have been caused by the mechanic in how he installed the starter, but oh, okay. yeah, but anyway, so the guy felt bad. He, he, did research out and find one but the guy with the high bid was like well you know i'm kind of at my my limit for the car he's like and i still have to pay to transport it and now i have to pay for a transmission out service you know i didn't budget for that <laughs> buying this car and if something happens something happens but knowing ahead of time that it's already broken how are they going to handle that so let's see if i can yeah, find the listing but see where it wound up but as of last night i hadn't come to a solution yet but that's the kind of advantage you have to an auction like this you have unbiased people looking at the car with you and commenting about it and talking about it and, and discussing the pros and cons of each car so while it's hard to be a seller there because your car gets picked apart um, it's good to be a buyer there because the car gets picked apart I, uh, I haven't sold a car through Bring a trails auctions, but I had sold two cars that the ads wound up being featured on their non-auction page, um, mm-hmm. and people picked out some interesting flaws in the cars that you know might be of a concern to somebody, but you know weren't to the people who eventually wound up buying it. But it's I don't mind them pointing it out because hey, if it point out a flaw, maybe I can fix it. <laughs> so hmm. it was definitely an interesting experience to have the entire world's eyes on your you know seven thousand dollar car for sale.
0: But yeah, a 106 Rally went live today. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, watch that one. Because it's exactly the way I want to do it. It was imported from Japan. Yep. Brought here. Probably driven for a little bit. And now it's for sale.
1: So you should register to bid in case it goes cheap. It's no reserve, I noticed, so.
0: It is no reserve,
1: but we'll see. If it's somewhere in California? I can go get it for you.
0: I think it is. Check it out.
1: All the bad ideas. Anything else? Uh, I don't think so. All right, cool. I think we're good.
0: Good episode, good episode. All right. So as always, follow us on the socials. Follow this podcast. Uh I haven't asked for reviews in a while, so if you haven't reviewed the podcast before and you're a new listener, just uh pop on into your podcatcher of choice and uh Give us a review; that'd be pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Please follow us. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Um, make sure. I, I wish somebody would figure out the stupid Facebook logarithms because nobody sees our stuff on Facebook anymore. You know, there's thousands of yeah, followers, and there's you know, you look at the post that has been up for 12 hours, and 12 people have seen it. It's like, come on. Sorry, oh, yeah, not it's not terrible. A, and that was a 122, not a 142. I apologize. Oh, uh,
0: okay all right all right well as always keep cars analog and ape